Um, tonight, we're going to look at some verses in the book of John in the 17th chapter. And um, it was interesting as I was reading this chapter, um, you know how you read something and then you're just like, well, I never saw it that way. <laughs> or I knew that was, it's been there all the time, but it seems like this is the first time I saw it. Well, as I was reading, um, I realized that this whole chapter, and maybe you already knew, but I realized that this whole chapter is really a prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples and for us. It's, it's, a, it's a prayer. And so sometimes, uh, you know, I, I also realize that if you ever, as a Christian, are, are struggling a little bit or, you know, feel like, you know, has God forsaken me or has he abandoned me or what's going on? Read that chapter. It'll give you some insight into what Jesus said to the Father, how he prayed for us. And, of course, he ever lives to make intercession for us. So he's always praying for us even now. But when he was on the earth before he went you know, before he was getting ready to go to the cross, he prayed to the Father. And John 17 is what he was praying about, okay? So we're not going to read the whole thing, but we are going to start at um, verse 12. So I'm going to read this in the New King James Version. And so um, I'm going to read 12 through 20, so listen up, all right? Okay, so verse 12 says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So Jesus is talking to the Father, and he's like, The disciples that you gave me, I've kept. Eleven of them, you know, have done what they were supposed to do. There was one, Judas Iscariot, who didn't do right, and, but he fulfilled the, the, what the scripture said. So then he goes on, he says, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So Jesus was wanting us to have, and wanting them to have joy. Okay, He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world... I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So Jesus is taking the time to talk to the Father about the disciples. And then we get to verse 20, and he says, he's not just praying for them. But he's also praying for those who will believe in me through their word. So I was, you know, at first when I was like, I was like, well, God, how come 
you didn't take us, take them out. How come you didn't, you know, Jesus, you, you actually prayed that God would not take them out of the world. In other words, he said, leave them here. And I thought to myself, why? You know, why, why, why? But do you realize that if the disciples had left after they received Christ, who would have told us about Jesus? Right? So they had to stay because they had something to do. They had something to do. And Jesus was saying, y'all are different. Y'all are in this world, but you're not of this world. This is not your home. You're not like the world. So tonight, I want to look at the fact that Jesus said we are in the world, but not of it. So if you think about it like a, a, a ship on the sea. So the ship is in the sea, right? And all is well with the ship in the sea. But if something happens to the ship and water begins to get in the ship, that's not so good, right? So the ship is in the sea. And as long as no water is in there, the ship is just simply in the sea. But if the water gets in the ship, because maybe there's a hole, they had a, you know, ran into something or something, then now the water is in the ship. And that's a whole different story. So we are in this world, but we're not of this world. So we're here, but the world is not supposed to be in us. Right? Just like the water is not supposed to be in the ship. Amen? Um, so I looked at this, um, this word world, and the Bible refers to it. There's at least three. Well, I found three. There's probably, there may be others. But there is the created world, which Genesis chapter 1, and God created the heavens and the earth, so that's the world, Right? And then there's the inhabitants of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he's talking about people or the inhabitants of the world, right? And then there is the world's systems, or the world's system. And so when Jesus is talking about them not being in the world. He's really talking about them not being in the world system, not being subject to the world system, not allowing the world system or the world's way of functioning or, or transacting to be in them, okay? So um, now this, this world system, there's a Greek word, it's ko, um, cosmos, and this word is, is always used to depict the arena where Satan attempts to exercise his influence. So when you find that word in the Bible, and it's komos, then it's talking about this is Satan is trying, it's tempting to, to exercise his influence. And then it describes all of the human systems of the world. So remember, Satan is not the god of the earth, right? He's the god of this world. What world? The world systems. But he's not the God of the earth. Who, we just said earlier, who does the earth belong to? God, right? 
So, um, but he operates through the human systems in the world. So this world, komos, it describes anything that is ordered. In the Greek, it's often used to, den to do uh, denote a particular political system, a system of fashion, isn't that interesting? System of music, right? System found in any part of the society, um, even your friends, uh, political systems, any system that you can come, you know, any human system, any system that's been established, Satan wants to get in that and he wants to exercise his influence in that world, okay? So, I mean, it's pretty obvious in the music world, we, can, we know all day long that he's influenced that, right? In the political arena, he has influenced that. Um, and, um, well, like it said in the fashion, hmm? what, somebody said something else. So, school, that's right, in the school system. So there's, there's things, so this is when, when the Bible is talking about what Satan is, um, you know, that world is talking about these world systems. And so he wants to influence with, you know, his way of thinking. And he's been doing, sadly to say, kind of a good job. So a system found in any part of society, such as even a circle of friends or any sphere where you live and have influence. So even on your job. You know, so-and-so wants to create a division. They're trying to get ahead and they want to be promoted and so they're putting everybody else down. They're backstabbing, they're doing all these things. Satan is trying to get in that system, right? So um, 2 Corinthians 4, let me use one thing or another. Let me reuse my iPad. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and the New Living Translation says this, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So Satan, who is the God of this world, what world are we talking about? The world's systems, right? So he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So if you wonder, well, how come people act, you know, this way or that way? If they're not a Christian, Satan has blinded their minds so they, they don't believe, they don't believe in Christ. So then they're not able to see because of the blindness. So Jesus said in verse 16 of John 17 that we are not of the world, neither is he of the world. The world Jesus is referring to is the Comos. So this world that we are not of is Comos, the world system where Satan tries to exist his influence. I'm saying that because I want you to, to remember that. Jesus was saying he is not of this world system, this world's way of thinking. Jesus didn't think like the world. He didn't act like the world. He didn't influence people the way the world does. He walked on this earth as a man, true, and he was exposed to all the different kinds of systems, right? But he did it without sin. So remember, he came for a specific purpose, and that was to go to the cross to redeem us, right? 
He came to do that. So he came to pay the price for redemption. But turn to uh, Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to look at verse 12 and 13. And this is the New King James Version. It says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So, the system was they were making money in the temple. They were selling um, animals for them to sacrifice. They had set up shop, had their money tables, all that. Jesus came in there and said, uh-uh, this is not going to be. That was the system. Jesus said no. So he drove them out, right? Then if you look at uh, Matthew 22, just... Uh, go over to one, one chapter over. In verse 21, he said, They say unto him, Caesar, then hath, then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. So he was saying, because, you know, they were asking him, um, they gave him a coin, and he, they were asking, so, you know, who... Who's this? You know, what, 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 what do you think about this? And Jesus is like, I don't think anything. Give to Caesar what belongs to him, but you give to God what belongs to God. So that was a system, and Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I know they pay taxes. I know you have to pay taxes. But you give, because they were trying to trick Jesus, because they were trying to say, oh, so you're not going to pay your taxes? Jesus said, no, no, no. No, I didn't say that. You give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but you give to God what belongs to God. So he was in this world. He knew about the systems of this world. He had to deal with the system just like we had to do. But in one, it was totally blatantly uh, disrespecting, dishonoring God, and he drove them out. To this one, he said, okay, I know taxes have to be paid because that is the system. So it's not that I'm not going to pay my taxes. As a matter of fact, he told Peter, go and get the first fish and open his mouth and go pay our taxes. So he wasn't against that. That was a system that was established. But he also wanted them to know that that system over there, but you better give to God what belongs to God. Amen? So we as, as Christians, we live in this world. And there are, there are laws that we have to obey. There, you know, I don't like all the laws. I don't like paying taxes, but it's part of the system. It's part of what we have to do. I'd rather pay my taxes than end up in jail. Amen. Right? So I don't want to have a prison ministry. I'm sorry. That's not what I want. So I have to deal with this. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. Okay? Um. Then there's a lot we can say, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to this. 
Um, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And you, I know we're all familiar with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. In the New King James, it says this. And don't, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I'm going to read it to you in the easy-to-read version. It says this. Don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. So we have to, we, we can't be conformed to this world. We can't be put in this world's mold and, and think like the world. You know, one of the things I used to tell my children when they were growing up, I say, you don't have to be like everybody else. Be yourself. Because you're not everybody else. You are who God created you to be. God, when we asked Jesus in our heart, we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness and we were placed into the kingdom of God's dear son. So we're not under this system. We're not um, subject to Satan anymore. He's not our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. So now we got to think like our new Lord. We got to think like Jesus thinks. We got to act like Jesus act. We got to talk like Jesus act, talk. We've got to do the things the way Jesus did them, right? Um, so it's interesting to see in our world today how, how people are, are altering themselves and, and they're doing it actually to kind of um, in a sense, remove distinguishing marks even. Um, so, for instance, like, people have plastic surgery. Well, you know, I want to look like so-and-so. Why do you want to do that? Spend all that money to look like somebody else, but you're not that person, right? Um, then they, you know, sometimes they... they, they do fashion makeovers. And I'm not saying necessarily that anything is wrong with these things, but to just enhance your appearance, to be like somebody else, to become acceptable, to fit in the crowd, to, um, as we used to say, you know, just to, 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 you know, to be with the Joneses and things like that, that's not what we need to do. As Christians, we don't need to be like the world. We don't need to be dabbling in the world and then calling ourselves Christians. Jesus said we're in this world, but we're not of it, right? And um, I wrote down here, sadly, many Christians today are opting for spiritual plastic surgery so that they do not stand out in the world. Think about it. They, they want to fit in. You know, well, I, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to offend anybody. I, want, I don't want to let anybody know that I really don't believe that or I don't agree with that or, or that's against what God's word says. So I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to 
you know, stay in my little space and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That's not why we're here. That's not why Jesus told the Father to leave us here. We've got to tell people the good news. That's the only way they're going to become free, right? So, but, you know, they do it to fit in. They um, want to embrace the world's way of thinking and doing things. You know, we are to love people, though we are to hate sin. Let me read you this little story. Um, This is actually from a book called The Girl in the Middle. The girl's name is uh, Kim, and she was in the eighth grade. She says, you would think that being in a clique is fun, but take my word for it, it's not. They make me wear expensive things when I'm not really rich and tell me if uh, something's really out. On the first day, I wore expensive clothing and eye makeup and hung out with a clique just because it was the first day. Actually, I hung out with just one girl called Maddie, and she introduced me to her friends. Now I'm popular and in. I thought I would be grateful, but is really hateful. I have to be real quiet with them or else they know I'm a geek at heart in disguise and throw me to the table near Austin, the world's most annoying kid. But now they're pushing me to do things that I shouldn't and it's getting serious. I don't know what's worse, getting involved with police are sitting near Austin. It's tough fitting in. But that's what adults do. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. But you know, Pastor David has taught us that we're accepted in the beloved. You are accepted. (laughs) So even though we're in this world, but not of it, God left us here for a reason, right? But now there's another side of this. We're not to, um, to separate ourselves and isolate ourselves. We can't do that either. We can't be in our own little bubble and say, okay, I'm going to be in my own little bubble. And I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to do everything God tells me to do. But you ain't telling nobody about Jesus. So you've isolated yourself. You don't, you don't want, you know, you don't want to be involved with anybody that's committed, is living in sin, say, for instance. Well, you can't win them if you don't get involved with them. You have to show them that there is a better way. You love them. You don't partake in what they're doing. So we have to come to understand that separation from the world does not mean isolation, but insulation. Okay? 
We are not to reject people and cut ourselves off from them because their way of thinking and behaving is contrary to the word of God. We can't, we can't do that. Somebody told you about Jesus when you were in your sin. Somebody told me about Jesus when I was in my sin. Right? So Jesus does not want us to stay away from those who are not Christians. If we do, they will never hear about him. But we also need to be very careful that we do not participate in the sins of the world. The world, may not, the world will not be impressed by Christians who act just like them, just like they do. The world needs to see us, but they need to see we are different. So go into the world and tell them about Jesus, but obey God's word while you're doing it. Okay? And then the world will see that you're different. You know, I always, um, not always, but I think about times where I've, I've heard people, I mean, they've just said they're a Christian. And then all of a sudden, out of their mouth comes all these blankety, blankety, blank, 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 blank. And I'm like, what just happened? Why are you talking like that? That's not right. So, I mean, say for instance, if you're on, you're, you're on your job and you've been telling everybody, oh, I'm a Christian, I believe God, I love God, you know. I go to church every Sunday. And then somebody does something to offend you. And you get to talking about them, and you're hot, you're mad, you're you, you not forgiven. You, you walk around saying, I'm not having nothing to do with them. That's not a good testimony. That's not a good testimony. Then they'll be thinking, oh, so you're a Christian. Okay. So that's how Christians act. I don't know if I want to have anything to do with that. Um, we know in, in Mark chapter 16, and I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink any poison, it will not, won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere preaching, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So that last verse, verse 20, and the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said. They had to say something. They had to tell somebody. And when they did that, there were many miraculous signs. 
when you think about the book of Acts and like Peter, you know, walking by and his shadow, just his shadow and people got healed. But he had been declaring the good news. He had been telling about Jesus. He had been telling about how Jesus loved them and how he gave his life for them. So he was speaking the word and he was sharing this with the people and Jesus worked through him and he performed miracles. Peter didn't perform those miracles. Same thing works for you and I. When we speak the word, when we tell people about Jesus, then he works through us. Miraculous signs. So we, um, well, let me read this one to you. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. This is a New Living Translation. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's what the word says. How can they call on him to, to save them unless they believe in him? But then how can they believe if they've never heard about him? So the important thing, um, I should say one of the important things is we have to find a balance that leads us to an attitude of separation and insulation from the world's evil but avoids an attitude of isolation. So we can't not go into the world. First of all, that's what Jesus told us to do. But then we can't, you know, just, you know, set ourselves up and feel like, well, you know, I'm just gonna just, you know, I'm just gonna walk out this Christian life, but I'm not gonna get involved. It's like people see stuff on, you know, crime happening on the street, and they're like, well, I'm not getting involved. And you see somebody, you know, a man beating a woman or somebody stabbing. You know, I, I remember, I don't remember the person's name, but there was this lady, she got stabbed so many times, and people were standing there watching, and they wouldn't do anything. So we can't stand and watch people go to hell. We can't stand and watch that. You know somebody doesn't know Jesus. You share the gospel with them. They may or may not receive. We trust that they will. But if they don't, you pray for them. You believe God is going to send somebody else across their path. You know, you planted the seed. You did your part. But you also can live your life before them as an example as well. So you, you plant the seed, but you live the life. You don't just talk the talk. You talk it and you walk it. Amen? So I'm going to show you this little demonstration. Well, let me read this last scripture. Okay, 2 Peter, turn to this please. 2 Peter chapter 3, this is also the New Living Translation. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 13 through 17.
And it says here, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. Are you looking forward to that? And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul, our beloved brother Paul, also wrote to, a, to you with wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of the scripture. And this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard then you will not be carried away by errors of the wicked people and lose your own secure footing. So the reason why I wanted to read this was because um, Peter is, is talking to the church and he's telling them, he's like, look, we're, we know we're going to heaven. We're believing God. We know one day we're going to go to heaven. We're, we're going to get there. In a sense, we're set. But he also says to remember that God has patience. God wants people to be saved. So if you want to get to heaven, we got to hurry up and get some people saved, right? Because God has patience. He's waiting for people to be saved. And then the other thing was the last verse. He says for us that we are to be on guard, that we're not carried away by errors of the wicked people. Because there were people who... Take the word and twist it. And twist it to their benefit. Or twist it to put people in bondage. And he's like, you're aware of this. Don't, don't allow yourselves to be... Because, uh, you know, religion is another system. And the enemy wants to infiltrate religion. He wants us to be... Uh, not to be united. He wants us to uh, deviate from what the word says. He wants us to say, well, you know, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe that's not what that means. So he's saying, be aware of that. Don't, don't do that. Don't lose your sure footing. Stay close to the word. But also remember there's others that need to hear the word. Amen? Okay, so let me show you this really quickly. Okay, this is the world. Okay, this is the world. Looks kind of yucky, huh? I mean, we're dealing with a lot of stuff in the world. There's a lot of stuff going on. But we're still in this world and we have a purpose for being here. Okay, this is Dave. Look at Dave. He's got his hands raised up. He's worshiping God. He's living for God. But Dave realizes he's got to go into the world. He's got to tell somebody else about this wonderful Savior that he loves, that he's given his life to. And so, he goes into the world. 
So he's in the world. Can you see that? He's in it, but he's not of it. Can you see that? So he's in the world. I just poured him all in the world. Jesus said, I sent you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? But don't be like the world. Stand out. Be the Christian that he's called you to be. Be bold about telling people about Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power. It's the power of God unto salvation. There is no other way that people are going to get to heaven. Right? There's only one way. There's not many ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And you are the carriers. I am the carrier of the good news. Amen. So remember that. You're in the world, but you're not of it.